following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Rebecca and I are in the season of parenting because our, our kids are little where we're just training the basics uh, of what it means to be a human to our, our kids. And so, I mean, this is just like being a human 101, okay? And so there, there are phrases that come out of my mouth that to my kids that I just never thought I would string those words together in one sentence. So, for example, it's something like this, hey, buddy, let's not chew on our toes at the dinner table. I just never actually thought I would put like those words in, in one sentence. Or you're right, honey, we don't eat fire, okay? Which is actually something I said recently, um, we don't eat fire. There, there's just like the 101 basics we're training our kids. Um, f- for example, recently I realized that we were a little late in training Scarlett, my three-year-old, to cover her mouth when she sneezes, when she was sitting on my shoulders a little while ago. Let's just say I didn't need hair gel that morning, okay? That was just an uncomfortable experience for everyone involved. Um, They're just the basics of raising kids 101, training them to be humans. It's just the basics. And there uh, there are things about following after Jesus in the same way that it's just kind of the basics, it's just 101 level. It's just that foundational level that, that if we're following after Jesus, we use the original Greek word mathetes around here. That's the word that was originally used to describe a follower of Jesus. We use that there's this basics of what it means to be a mathetes, a disciple, a follower of Christ. And this morning, we're going to look at one of those basics. And um, here's really what we're, we're trying to discern. We're trying to discern in our own lives in our in our families as a church how are we doing on these basics you know one of my my fears is that if i don't train these basics one day my son nehemiah if i don't teach him to not chew on his feet one day he's going to take a nice woman out to dinner on a date and he's just going to chew on his toes there at the table i don't want that to happen i want to teach him these basics okay and in the same way we let let's kind of pull back and say all right Following after Jesus, we're going to look at something that's just so foundational and, and kind of discern where are we at on just some of these found, this one particular foundational item in following after Jesus. So we're going to look in Matthew chapter 25, if you would open there, Matthew 25. Um, we're going to look at verse 31. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, if you'd open there, Matthew 25, verse 31. And these are the words of Jesus himself. They're um, a parable of Jesus, but we're going to just hear directly from Jesus. Here's what he says. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on 
his left. Now here's what's happening so far in this text. These are Jesus' words, and he's telling a parable, and he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. Now let's just unpack some of that biblical language so we understand what he's saying. The phrase Son of Man is a title that's from the Old Testament, and it's a title that refers to the Messiah. And so Jesus, when he's talking about himself, the Messiah, he often uses this title, okay, for various number of reasons. I wish we had a chance to go in and really unpack what all this means, but for the sake of this morning, he's referring to the Messiah himself. He says, when, basically, when I return in glory, in other words, he's saying one day he is going to return, And he says, he will sit on his glorious throne and he will have all the nations appear before him and he will separate the sheep from the goats. Now there is some really surprising truths that Jesus is teaching that let's just square up to um, head on. Okay, the first thing, here's what he's saying. He's saying as the Messiah, when he returns, he is going to sit on the throne over all of humanity. Here's what this is saying. You are free to believe whatever you want. You are free to believe whatever religion you want, follow any teacher you want, come up with your own thing, mix a bunch of things together, follow something. You are free to believe whatever you want. But in the end, there is one king over humanity and his name is Jesus Christ. I say this gently because this, this may you know, push some of you say, well, I just, that makes me uncomfortable. I just would like everyone to be able to believe whatever they want. That makes me more comfortable. And, and if I, I can empathize with, with that desire to, to have that perspective. And, and if, if, that, if you're wrestling with that, then I would encourage you to wrestle. This is what Jesus is saying. Wrestle with Jesus. He's saying there is one king. It is Jesus Christ. Sometimes we um, have the desire to, to come up with their own reality and say, okay, but I can believe whatever I want. I can have whatever truth that I want. And if I, if I believe it, that is reality for me. When I was a kid, I was convinced. I had it all mapped out. I had my whole life plan mapped out. It started with me being the next Mark Duper for the Miami Dolphins, okay? I knew for a fact I would be a... a um, proficient wide receiver for our very own Miami Dolphins. For some of you who don't know me very well, that did not happen, okay? Found out that I, I'm not NFL material, okay? That may be a surprise to some of you, okay? And as much as I want to believe, as much as I wanted to believe that was my destiny, as much as I wanted to believe that was true, that I could, that's fine, I'm free to believe that, that doesn't manifest it into reality, So here's what, we are free to believe whatever we want, but according to Jesus, there is one who will sit on the throne over all humanity. His name is Jesus. Here's the second uncomfortable truth from this passage that pushes us, is that one day when he sits on the throne, his role will be to judge all of humanity. And he says he will, he will gather all of humanity before the king, King Jesus, and he will judge, he will separate, he uses the illustration, the metaphor of separating sheep and goats. He'll separate them from each other. He is coming to judge. 
say, man, well, I, I just would prefer to believe that, you know, he, he just finds everyone that, that, has, that everyone is, is fine and that he's just so loving and forgiving that everyone is okay. And, and the reality is what Jesus is saying. Wrestle with Jesus because this is what Jesus is saying. He will one day stand, all of humanity will stand before him and he will judge them. Now here's the third uh, uncomfortable truth that he says is he talks about when he will return in his glory. And here's what we know from Jesus is that Jesus will return at any moment. He says like a thief in the night. In other words, you couldn't possibly predict it. It will be when you're not expecting it. It will come at any point in time. So Christians throughout the centuries have been saying we are waiting for Jesus. Maybe he'll come today. The reality is we might not get through this service this morning and Jesus will have returned. Here's how this starts. This is Jesus' teaching. If you're wanting to know, if you're here and you're saying, look, I'm just trying to find out a little bit more about Jesus, man, I am so glad you're here. I respect that you're coming with with questions, and I hope that you know that we feel like the, the most gracious thing that we could do is just be honest and shoot you straight as to what Jesus is saying. Here's Jesus' words. One day, he, he is the king. One day, he will stand. All of humanity will stand before him, and he will judge them in that moment of judgment can be at any moment when Jesus returns and this world as we know it comes to a close and every human will give an account. Now the question is, okay, on what basis are we going to be judged? That's the question. Okay, if we're all coming to that day, how will we be judged? And let's see how this teaching of Jesus continues. Okay, let's go to verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And he says, and when, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, this is important. He says, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. He says he stands before every human being ever to exist. He says, these are the sheep, these are the goats. He looks over at the sheep and he says this. He says, um, he says you welcome in to my kingdom that has been prepared to, for you from the beginning of time. Welcomes them in to heaven. And if in your mind, heaven is this kind of shadowy place where everyone's sitting on fluffy clouds and it's kind of this dreamy atmosphere, that's not what the Bible teaches about heaven. The Bible teaches that heaven is a recreation of the heavens and earth the way God intended it to be without any pain, sadness, hurt, or sin, or evil. It's, it is what, one day when we're there, it is what our souls will say, I am finally home, I was made for this. And he looks to those on his right, he says, a welcoming, a welcome you in a place prepared to you for you from the beginning of time. And he says, for... I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. 
And they surprise, they say in response, wait, when did we do that to you? I mean, you're the king, you're on the throne. When did we do those things for you? And he says, when you did it for the least of these, you did it to me. The very least of these. What do you mean by the least of these? That means those who are are forgotten, those who have no voice, those who are stuck, those who can't advocate for themselves. He says, those that are the least of these, that are the most often trampled by society, left out from society, when you do that for the least of these, you're doing it to me. He says that to those on his right. Let's keep reading. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of these least of these, you did not do it to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life. Whoa. Turns to the other group and he says, Depart into eternal punishment. And he said, For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and you didn't come to me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. And they're saying, Well, King, I mean, if we had seen you in that place, of course we would have come to you. I mean, if we had seen you like that, absolutely we would have run to you and and clothed you and fed you and visited you. We would have done all those things. And he said, if, if you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it to me. This is heavy. And if we're going to say we're following after Jesus, and if we're going to say we're a place for people who have, ans- who have questions about Jesus and show them who Jesus is, we can't skip over the difficult things that Jesus said. Here's another truth we learn from this passage. There is such a thing as heaven and hell and their eternal destinations. You know, if you're sitting here and you're saying, okay, I'm faced with that reality, but okay, what does that mean for me? Like, I, I want to know I'm a, I'm a sheep and not a goat. Okay, I, I want to know where I'm going to spend eternity. On, on what grounds does someone get to heaven versus hell? I mean, what is Jesus saying? Because the first run through this passage, it sounds like Jesus is saying, okay, if you ministered to the least of these, you're in. If you did not minister to the least of these, you're out. I mean, isn't that basically what Jesus is saying? Well, there's a little more to this passage, but before we jump into that, let's zoom out and hear what all of Scripture has to say. Okay, let's just answer this question up front. How do I know whether I'm going to heaven or not? Like, what is is what are the parameters? And here's what it says. This is something, church, we have got to be absolutely 100, 1,000% crystal clear. If there's one thing you know for sure in this life, let it be this. How do I know if I'm going to heaven? Here's what it says. I want to look at a couple verses in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. This is what it says. He saved us not because 
of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. On what basis do we face our eternity? How do we know if we're saved? It could not be more clear than what it says in Titus. It says, not by works that you do. It's not about whether or not you go to church enough or pray enough or are generous enough. It's not about whether you serve the poor or the needy or the least of these. It's not about the works of righteousness you are doing. It is simply the grace of God poured out, the mercy of God poured out on us, gifted to us, given to us. Let's hit another passage. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Listen to this. If there's one thing you can know in this life, you want to know this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Listen, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Is salvation because of my good works? No, absolutely not. It is by the grace of God through faith. Jesus himself says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Here's what this is saying. It's saying that we will one day be judged and how we know whether we're going to heaven or hell is based on whether we've just simply received the mercy and grace of forgiveness of God. It's that God looked down on us and saw that we did not do enough good works to earn heaven. None of us did. We did not do enough good works, and so because of that, he sends Jesus, who comes from heaven down to earth. He dies on a cross, uh, paying the penalty we should have paid for eternity. He pays for it on the cross. He takes all of our sin on himself, and God punishes Jesus so that we do not have to be punished. And Jesus rises again on the third day saying, I have fully paid for your sins. And then that is offered to you. All you have to do is receive in faith. Say, yes, Jesus died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. I believe he did that for me. I'm going to stop trying to earn it myself and realize and just receive salvation from God. Receive his forgiveness that he's offering me. Salvation is not by our works. It's through the forgiveness offered through Jesus Christ. So time out. Wait a minute. That sounds exactly opposite of what Jesus just said. It sounds like he stood before these these groups and he said, okay, you're in because of this and you're in because of that. You serve the least of these, you didn't. That's the grounds for which you come in to heaven. But I want you to notice one key feature that he said in there. He said, you did it to me. You did it for me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying those who have received the grace and mercy of God, there is a seed planted in them that once that seed is planted, it will necessarily produce an attribute that is so foundational, so consistent, you could might as well just divide the group by that attribute. 
Okay, for, for example, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 8, 9. Let's make, bring it more down to this. It says this, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Here's what this metaphor is for the gospel. It's Jesus was in heaven. He was in the presence of God. He has, he has all power over everything. Everything belongs to him. He has spiritual wealth. He looks down at us. And no matter where our physical economy is, our spiritual economy is bankrupt. And he who is rich became poor. He, he dies on the cross. God turns his back on Jesus because he cannot look at the sin and Jesus becomes spiritually bankrupt taking our sin on himself so that we might gain everything spiritually. Once that seed is planted in our hearts, that story of grace, that he who was rich became poor, Jesus who had everything, gave up everything so that those of us who have nothing might gain everything. Once that seed has been planted in our hearts, how can we not then give up everything for those who have nothing? That is so, such a fundamental, foundational attribute of being a Christian. You could, that's not what it means to attain salvation, but it is such a common attribute of a Christ follower that you could almost separate it based on that attribute. It's like this. I don't know if you've, um, you know, South Florida is a very transient place. People from all over the country, all over the world come and live in South Florida from a, for a season. And um, so you can usually tell when people are not from South Florida, often by an accent or the way that they talk. And so, for example, um, Matt Mashburn, our pastor, executive pastor here, he's lived in South Florida for a couple decades. But you may not be aware, he actually uh, grew up originally in Alabama. He is, grew up in Alabama, huge University of Alabama fan. You can go up to him and say, Roll Tide. He will love that, okay? And um, he, he grew up in, in, uh, in Alabama, and you usually can't discern that he's from Alabama. But every now and then, something comes out, and I'm reminded of that. And in the other day, we're sitting in a meeting, and we're having a normal conversation, and all of a sudden, he says this phrase. He says, man, I was more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, He keeps like right on talking, and I'm like, okay, time out. I need like five minutes to decipher that in my brain, okay? Rocking, okay, I got it. Let's keep going. And so every now and then, he comes up with a phrase that I'm like, okay, that's right. All right, and that, that reminds me of where he originally grew up. I, ha I have another friend. He's um, from England. He comes to visit every now and then, and I always, we always make fun of each other's accent. I mean, when he says water, he says, water. I'm like, whoa, simmer down there, buddy. Okay, just calm down. All right, and he thinks that I have this real lowbrow kind of accent, and I think he sounds all uppity. And so, you know, if you lined up 100 people, some from the UK, some from the US, and you asked them all to say the word water, okay, we could probably, by that attribute, separate out who is, who's from the United States and who's from the UK. But does that actually mean that they're citizens? Like, to become a citizen of the United States, do they test you on how you say the word water? No, of course they don't do that. But that's such a common attribute 
that you could actually probably pretty accurately break apart those two groups into those categories. How is someone saved? It is by grace, a gift of God through faith, not a result of works, period. But when that is planted in us, there is such a common attribute in response of taking care of the least of these. That attribute is so common that you could pretty much accurately separate those who understand the grace of God and what Jesus did for them based on that attribute. It's foundational, 101 level. Take care of the least of these. So let's just ask ourselves some, some uncomfortable questions, church. Let's push ourselves for a second. If this is so fundamental, is this activated in my life personally? In your life, individually? Like, is my life, like a principal attribute of my life is reaching out to the least of these? And out of what God has blessed me with reaching out to the least of these right around me, to raise them up because what Jesus has done for me, he did exactly that and infinitely more for me spiritually. Like, is that a feature of my life or is it, yeah, about once a year I do a service project with my community group and I I check that box? Or is that a feature of my life? How about as families? Like, is this a feature of our families? Is is one day our our kids are, if you have kids, your kids are going to leave your house one day and we're pouring into them so much. And and, and in the end, what am I sending them out? Am I sending them out that that they know that a principal part of following after Jesus is woven into our culture, into our activities, into how we spend our time, that a principal part, a foundational, very basic outflow of following Jesus is serving the least of these like how have I divided my time like are my kids when my kids leave one day well Rebecca and I will our kids leave one day and they've spent many many hours getting a high GPA and going to bassoon lessons or whatever the extracurricular is and at the end like are they expert bassoon players and they're expert at academia and they leave with those skills and and maybe they may or may not play the bassoon the rest of their life but if they're a Christian you know what they will do for the rest of their life They will serve the least of these. Are they leaving knowing that's a feature, that's natural, that's instinctual? They have much experience knowing how to do that because of the culture of our families. What if, church, imagine what if the kids and students that grew up here because of what's happening in our kids' ministries and student ministries, but more than that, what's happening in our families, they go, they go out as the best and the brightest as leaders, knowing that a principal part of following Jesus is ministering to the least of these and sacrificing for the least of these. Imagine the legacy we will turn out as this next generation is rising up if that's beat into their hearts. But where are we at as a church? Let's ask this question. I mean, when I think of church, what is church for? Is church fundamentally for meeting the needs of my family or is church fundamentally us coming together to link arms to minister to the least of these? 
What if the definition of success is not only what's happening in here and the, the transformation and the change and the God stories are happening in here, but what's happening outside of these walls in our city, in our community, in our region because of the work of what we're doing? Like what if the statistics outside of our church are just as much or more important as to whether or not we're doing the Lord's work as the statistics inside our church? Let me ask this question. I, I thought about this and I, I was sobered. If West Pines just disappeared tomorrow, would our community notice? And maybe more pointedly, would the least of these mourn? I was at a, a pastor's meeting um, for pastors in our community. It was hosted in West Palm Beach. It was for pastors in West Palm, pastors from Broward County. We were getting together to talk about this very issue. How can we link arms together as churches and impact our cities in a way that actually makes a difference in our generation? We had invited a pastor in from uh, another part of the country who's already doing this, and he shared, and he shared some statistics. Like, let me just read to you some statistics about our society. In the last 35 years, those who say they don't believe in God, in the last 35 years, has almost doubled. Those who say their religion is none has tripled. And those who say they never pray is quintupled. That's the trajectory of our society, spiritually. But how about this? Let me just give you one statistic to think about. In Broward County alone, just in Broward County last year, 1,361 children, 1,361 children were removed from their home because of abuse, neglect, or abandonment. That's in Broward County 1,361 children packed up their belongings and were removed from their homes. And he told us these statistics and the trajectory of our culture, and then he looked at us in this room of pastors, and I'll never forget what he said. He looked at us and said, you know, in this room are some of the most thriving, healthy, growing churches represented in this room. And then he said this, He says, but who cares if you're the best player on a losing team? The last two years, there's been a movement that has been starting to gain traction in Broward County. It has already been in the works in West Palm Beach. It's gaining some traction over the last two years in Broward County, and it's just starting up in Dade County. It's called Church United And what it is, is it's churches have decided, churches like West Pines, churches like Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, churches like First Baptist, Fort Lauderdale, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, Harbor Church, Riverside, Crossway Church, churches have decided, okay, we can all just do our own thing and and do the best we can to impact South Florida. And, and, And what we realize is we could do far more if we said we are the body of Christ together. Christ envisioned us to be unified, so we are gonna link arms together and together as churches across denominational lines, across theological lines, we're going to link arms together and we are going to go to work to impact South Florida and to reach the least of these. 
And so an effort called Church United has been brewing in Broward County for the last two years. And this month, under the banner of Love South Florida, is, our, is the first initiative we're doing as Broward County churches together. In fact, those graphics that you see, hashtag Love South Florida, Calvary Chapel made those graphics. Those are, graphi- those are graphics used to churches all across Broward County. We are coming together and all serving each other, some helping in this way, some helping in other ways. And we are coming together saying we are going to, as the bride of Christ together, we are going to do a work to impact South Florida. So you're going to see all over, people are going to go to church and they're going to find the same heading. And all of us are going to do a push together to get out and to serve this community. Church, I've got to be honest, I think we as a leadership at West Pines feel like we have some significant room to grow. We, we want to grow in this area of saying, you know what, if we were to vanish, what would the least of these in our community say? And we, would, we want them to say, they reached out and they clothed me, they fed me, they gave me something to drink, they visited me. We want them to say, they came out and they reached us and we are going to respond. We're going to join arms with our brothers and sisters across this county and see what he can do in our midst. And we're going to make our first step in that direction this month. What I want you to do is, in your bulletin, I want everyone to pull out this sheet. It looks like this. It says, um, it serves South Florida. Can everyone pull this out? Take a second in your bulletin and go ahead and pull this out. On November 12th, that's a Saturday, November 12th, we are together as a church. We are going to do a, our, a big push to get out and to serve the least of these in our community, November 12th. What we're wanting is every single person who calls West Pines their church home to join in this effort, November 12th. If this is your home church, November 12th is a date that you need to remember. What we are going to do, along with other other churches, are doing other pushes this month, and then all of the churches in Broward County are going to tally the number of hours we served, the amount of money that we gave, and the amount of food that we gave, and we're going to celebrate as the church churches in Broward County what we did together, and West Pines is... Absolutely, we want to lead the way in this effort. And so here's what we're going to do. November 12th, I want you today, before you leave, today, before you leave, this is one of those things, it's a no-brainer. Signing up to serve the least of these, that's a no-brainer, okay? It doesn't take a week of praying and fasting, okay? Today, before you leave, I want you to sign up for one of these blocks and put this in the offering box as you leave. Let me tell you what this is about. We We are... um, providing food, in most of these cases, providing food for the hungry right here in Broward County. Let me tell you about Pakasac. There's two options to sign up, two different shifts that we're doing for Pakasac. That's family-friendly. Talk about an awesome opportunity to bring your kids and have them involved and show them what it means to follow Christ by serving the least of these. We're going to be packing foods into sacks. This is um, then distributed. This is so cool. This is distributed through the school system in Broward County, given to underprivileged children. Many of these, the food that they eat is when they go to school. That's how they get food. But they also go home on weekends. 
And so this is the sack they take home with them on weekends so that they can have food for their families. We are going to be um, packing up these sacks full of food so that they can be distributed through the Broward County school system. That's Pack-A-Sack, two options to serve there. There's Baskets of Hope. These are also, again, packing food together. This is for the impoverished, for homeless, for people who can't find food. It's passed out through shelters. Then there's also um, Feeding South Florida. Um, This is also another way to to provide food and organize food in um, food banks here in South Florida. We also have an opportunity to serve for four kids of South Florida. Um, This is a light construction. You can sign up for that. If you have some construction sense, that's not something I would sign up for because I would cause more trouble if I went. But if you have some construction abilities, you can sign up for that. And here's the last thing. This is an easy thing, but this is huge. We need some people to sign up to, to provide childcare because there's whole families that won't be able to serve unless they can have childcare. And so we're going to provide childcare for some folks so you can sign up for that as well. Church, this is one of those things. This is a church-wide effort. I want to challenge you to sign up today. Don't go to bed tonight. You say, well, I have to check my calendar. My calendar on my smartphone is broken, okay, and I absolutely can't do it right now, okay? Then go home, and before you go to bed tonight, you sign up. You can sign up online, because if you don't, we will find you, and we will not. Okay, I'm just kidding. Okay, I pushed too far. I went too far. Church, this is some way that we want to respond together as a church, because of all that Jesus has done for us. I was reading a book written by a pastor a long time ago. And in it, he talks about what does it mean to become Christ-like? He says, you know, essentially, what does it mean to be an imitator of God? He said, that's a hard concept, okay? Being an imitator of God. I mean, God is so many things. He's powerful. He's holy. He rules. I mean, what does it mean to be an imitator of God? Is it to be powerful and to rule over people? I mean, what does it mean to be an imitator of God, to be like God or be Christ-like? What does that mean? And he defined it like this. I want you to, to hear this, what he said. He said this, He who takes upon himself the burden of his neighbor, he who in Whatsoever respect he may be superior is ready to benefit another who is deficient. He who whatsoever things he has received from God by distributing these to the needy is an imitator of God. He says, you want to be like Christ? Here's what Christ did. He gave everything to us because we were so desperate for him. So now find a way to help those who are desperate. This was written a long time ago. I didn't tell you the date. That was written in 130 AD. This is foundational to being a Christ follower from the beginning. The guy who wrote that was trained directly by the apostles. Like he was probably spiritually mentored by Paul. And he wrote that for Christians, and it's still true today. Now, here's what I think is the most powerful thing for us in particular at our church. He wrote it anonymously, and he signed it with simply one word. He simply signed that book, Mathetes. He just simply said, Christ follower. That's what that means. What that means is simply to follow Christ means to serve the least of these.
And before you, Jesus, we want to respond to rise up and to have your heart. You may be sitting here and you may be saying, look, the part that I'm the most struggling with is you're talking about sheep and goats and and heaven and hell. And if I'm honest, if Jesus came back right now and I was judged, I don't know where I'd end up. You know, you can leave here today knowing with it beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can know for certain how that would go. You can know for certain where your eternal destiny is. You can know that today. And we would say, please don't leave here without knowing for certain. It's this simple. It's not living your life trying to earn heaven, be good enough to get heaven. It's simply receiving the forgiveness of God, the grace of God. Just receive it. And say, yes, it's about what you did, not what I do, Jesus. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again from the dead. I know my sins, past, present, and future, are paid for. Simply say, I believe it. I accept your salvation. I just accept your mercy and your forgiveness once and for all. Because it's by by his grace that we're saved. So today, take a step of faith. I'd like to lead us in a word of prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a second? If this morning you're wanting to pray that and receive the grace of God, then I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. If you want to leave here knowing for sure where you stand before God and knowing that you'll spend eternity with him in heaven, just pray this simple prayer. Right there in your seats, between you and God, make my words your words to God. Say, God, thank you for wanting to save me. I know I don't deserve it. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I believe that I am forgiven, washed clean permanently. And that I'll spend eternity in heaven because of what you did for me, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.